Welcome to the BMJ podcast. This week we're concentrating on one issue, and it's one that's worried people for decades. Is there institutional racism in the UK's medical system? Later, we're going to hear from the Vice Chairman of the British International Doctors' Association, who represent doctors from abroad who are now working within the NHS. But first, Navjoit Lada, who's the BMJ's new assistant editor, a part-time GP, who's also just sat her Royal College of General Practitioners membership exams, talks to the author of new research that has looked in detail at the pass rates across ethnic groups. There's been concern for some time in the UK that the exams required to become a registered GP discriminate against ethnic minorities, be they overseas trained doctors coming here to work or British doctors who've gone through their training in this country. This has come to head in new research published on bmj.com by Anise Ismail, who's a professor of primary care at the University of Manchester and one of the leading authorities on racial discrimination in the NHS. Earlier this week, I spoke to him by phone. Okay, well, just to start with then, could you give us some of the background and context as to why this study was done initially? Um, we were asked by the General Medical Council to, to, to do this work because um, there has been concern for some time that ethnic minority candidates sitting the MRCGP examination were doing much worse in terms of failure rates than um, UK uh, white graduates. And um, there was a, a sort of rumbling that had been going on for about a year when people were saying, look, this is uh, quite astonishing what's happening. And so this had been going on for some time. And I think that uh, some international medical doctor organizations were threatening legal challenge uh, to both the GMC as a regulator and the Royal College of General Practitioners saying that um, we are going to challenge you because we believe the exam is, is discriminatory. So uh, the GMC as a regulator said, okay, we'll get an independent um, group of people to look at this data and tell us what is going on. Um, so uh, they commissioned me because I had uh, done a lot of work around racism in the medical profession. Right. I understood general practice. And they asked me to, to look at the data, which the general College of General Practitioners gave freely. Right. Okay. And you mentioned that your, your background and, and why you were asked by the the GMC to, to have a look at this. Can you talk a bit more about some of the previous work you've done? Yes. Um, I did my first work uh, in this area in, in the early 90s when I was able to um, show that ethnic minority uh, British graduates, like, like I am, uh, were far less likely to be shortlisted for jobs than uh, white um, graduates. And I did a, a very famous study where we sent a CV with an Asian name and a CV with a white name uh, to um, job applications and then found that the white candidates were shortlisted twice as often as mm. the, the ethnic minority candidate. And uh, that was published in the BMJ in 1993. And, and that really um, got me interested in this whole area because in a way I was describing my own life, um, what mm. was happening to me. So I then, then began to look at different areas. So at that time, when we did that research, the GMC accused me of professional misconduct. And um, I, I then began to look at what's happening in the GMC and, and found that, again, ethnic minority doctors were far more likely to be um, charged with professional misconduct than, than, than white doctors. And then I moved on to looking at medical school, medical school intake and showed that, again, ethnic minority British graduates were far less likely, or British applicants, rather, were far less likely to be offered a place in medical school, even though they had the same grades as um, white candidates. 
white applicants. And then I also did uh, work around remuneration. There are systems of paying consultants in, in the NHS in the UK. And I was able to show there were significant differences between the way um, ethnic minority doctors were treated compared to white doctors. So I have a sort of um, a history which has um, uh, caused me to investigate this in, in more detail than many others have. Yeah. And I suppose I was a, a natural choice for this because of my past history, although it wasn't always positive as far as the GMC were concerned. Right. Okay. Okay. Uh, so this just seems like a, another story and quite a long, another chapter and quite a long sort of story that's been going on um, for a while. Okay. And then um, for people that perhaps aren't aware of the how the system works in the UK, can you give some um, background about these exams and, and who are taking them? Okay. Now, in order to um, be accredited to work as a general practitioner, you have to pass a postgraduate exam called the MRCGP. And this is the examination that we were investigating in this particular paper. And the MRCGP exam consists of uh, three components. Uh, one's called a workplace-based assessment, where you're, you are assessed on an ongoing basis in your workplace by your accredited trainer. And um, it really... Uh, uh, assesses, um, you know, how are you coping, um, how are you doing it, and, and, and there are met methods for doing that. Then the next stage is you've got to do a, a formal summative exam, uh, and that consists of two parts. One's called the Applied Knowledge Test, um, and this is a multiple-choice exam, and um, it is machine-marked. And then the final stage in the summative exams is the Clinical Skills Assessment Exam, the CSA. And that's really like an objective structured clinical examination, which many medical students and other doctors will have taken at some part during their career. And um, it, it really replicates um, an NHS general practice surgery. So you are tested against 13 cases. So what happens is that you, you sit in a room and actors come and present cases to you. And you are observed by an examiner who marks you against criteria to see whether you pass or not. So that, that's essentially what the exam is. And you have to pass all components, the workplace-based assessment, the uh, applied uh, uh, clinical knowledge test, and the CSA exam in order to be accredited to work as a family physician. And it's a very high-stakes exam. You only get four attempts to do it. And if you don't pass in those four attempts, then you can not work as a general practitioner. So that's UK graduates. Can you tell us more about international ones? They have to, in order to practice in the UK, they have to uh, be registered to work here by the General Medical Council, which is our regulator. And in order to be registered by the General Medical Council, in order to, to begin to work in the UK, you have to pass an English language test, and you have to achieve a certain level in it, and we call that the IELTS test. It's a, it's a very common international English language test. And you also have to um, pass uh, another professional linguistic um, exam, which tests your clinical skills as well as linguistic ability. And that's called the PLAV exam. And it's in two parts. One's um, a machine mark test and um, one's a clinical test, uh, very similar to the CSA exam I've just described. So as an inter international medical graduate, you have to do these tests before you can be allowed to practice, and then you have to do the same test as the others who want to become general practitioners. So that, that's the two groups we're talking about, um, UK-trained graduates and international medical graduates. Right, okay. And within those two groups, how have you, how have you grouped people within those groups? The okay. We've divided the UK-trained graduates into British 
uh, into black and minority ethnic graduates. So these are people who are classified as Asian, Chinese, Arab, mixed heritage, Afro-Caribbean, of African descent. They're all grouped together as uh, black and minority ethnic candidates. Um, and then we looked at um, white UK graduates as the other group. Under the international medical graduates, we use the same classification. We looked at the international medical graduates who were white and those that were um, black and, min and, and minority ethnic groups. So that's how we did the distinction. Okay. So it's essentially comparing white and non-white. Correct. Right. Effect, yeah. Okay. Okay. And the exam that is focused on in, in the study is the clinical skills assessment. Um, can you talk a bit about the wh what that exam is assessing? So that is that it's more than just clinical skills because I think this is important to when yes, talking about um, the findings. What it's really trying to fundamentally assess is, um, are you safe to practice as a, as a family physician? Um, and so it's not just about um, testing knowledge. It's testing your communication skills, how you interact, um, how you bring information together, how you make judgments. So it's quite complex what it's trying to do, really. Mm. Um, and, and its main aim is to see whether you are safe to work in a general practice setting unsupervised, basically. Um, so it's not just about clinical knowledge. Um, and uh, I, I, I myself say that it, it, it's a, a knowledge that has, uh, an exam that has clinical knowledge as well as your sort of cultural um, work as a general practitioner. Right. It, it, it's testing a lot more than just, just simply not clinical knowledge. Okay. All right. Well, thanks for, the, for providing that context there. And then moving on to your study, um, Let's talk about the, the data that you've used. Part of the, 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 the deal for doing the independent review was I had to have access to data. So the, the, the General Medical Council made that available to me. Mm -hmm. uh, and the Royal College of General Practitioners had no problem with that because they, they themselves want these things to be made public so they, they can see what's happening. Mm. So we were given access to the data, and we were given access to data from 2010 to 2012, representing about five, just over 5,000. So it's 5,095 candidates who set this exam. That's a lot of, lot, lot, lot of cases, really. Mm. Um, we were given data on all the people who, who sat this exam between November 2010 and November 2012. And it included data on their uh, sex, their age, um, where they were doing their training. So that means which geographical location they were doing their training in the UK. And it also included date, uh, scores on their um, AKT, the Applied Knowledge Test, the, the multiple choice test that I was telling you about. Mm -hmm. um, and then for the international graduates, we've given the data on the English Language Test, the IELTS, and the PLAB Part 2 test. Uh, so we had that, that as a data set. Okay, okay. And then, um, well, why don't we talk through the, the findings um, then? Because I know there are, there are several points, several things that, that you sort of found when analyzing the data. Can you talk us through that? Yes, yeah, sure. Um, I think that the first thing to, to say is, is that um, it, it is a, a very, very large and extensive data set. And, mm. and um, we, we did, we, we say in the paper about how many um, uh, uh, cases were non-responders and so on. I mean, in, in the UK, the majority of people do assign their ethnicity. So it was a very robust data set. Mm -hmm. um, and um, we, 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 we had data on, on, on a lot of candidates, which, which made this a very, very strong study. The second point is, is that uniquely, we were able, therefore, to control for what can be lucid and prior attainment. Because one of the 
arguments used against why there was a higher failure rate of ethnic minority candidates, for example, was that they didn't perform as well on the um, applied knowledge test, the multiple choice test. And that was a test of clinical knowledge. So the, the argument being that, well, if they don't do as well on that test, then they won't do as well or can be expected not to do as well on the clinical skills assessment test. And because we had that data, we were able to control for it. Yeah. Uh, and that's very, very important. And we were able to control for gender um, and age. And um, so the first thing is, if you think about um, British, uh, UK um, trained minority ethnic candidates and white um, UK trained candidates, we found that um, when we took prior attainment into account, there was still a fourfold difference in failure rates between the ethnic minority British candidates and the uh, UK white candidates. And this is highly significant because firstly, we control for prior attainment. So we've discounted the fact that they didn't do as well in the applied knowledge test, the multiple choice test. Secondly, um, of course, these are British graduates. Um, I, say that, uh, I say to people they're born and bred British graduates. They, they speak English. They've gone through the schooling system here. So really, apart from their ethnicity, there is no difference between them and their white colleagues. And yet, despite that, we find this fourfold difference. Mm. We also find a much higher difference between international medical graduates when we compare them to UK graduates, both ethnic minority graduates and white graduates. And there, the difference is nearly 15-fold. The international medical graduates are 15 times more likely to fail the uh, CSA exam, even when we control for the AKT scores. So these are big differences that when we uh, control for prior attainment still persist. And these results are highly significant. Okay. And the, I mean, as I'm a UK black minority ethnic candidate who's recently done this exam, so I find this very interesting. Um, so there, there are two two aspects really to this that you've that you've um, drawn out here. The comparison between UK black minority ethnic candidates um, compared with UK white candidates, and then the IMG candidates compared with the UK white graduates. Um, looking at the first comparison between the UK black minority ethnic candidates, I mean, what do you think is uh, sort of going on there? Well, you see, I have said this in the paper, and this is what's caused a controversy. So one of the issues is, is that is there bias against ethnic minority candidates? I'm not saying my results are conclusive, but we have control for lots of things, and we still find a difference. The exam um, also uh, uh, uses actors, um, because these are standardized patient cases, if you want to think of it another way. So let's say that um, you have an actor who's um, uh, playing a white patient, and then um, you, the exam requires you to examine or to talk to that patient. You know, that, that, that's an interesting um, uh, uh, consultation dynamic that's going on there. I work as a general practitioner myself, and I know that, that sometimes I have a much better communication ability with some people, not necessarily from my own racial uh, background, um, but people who might be of the same class of me as, as me, as the same cultural background as me, um, you, you, can, you can have a very different interaction with that person sometimes, uh, but not always, than you might have with someone who, 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 who comes from a very different background from you. 
And so we, we don't know whether there is some sort of interaction going on there. Remember, the examiner is trying to assess lots of things. They're trying to assess your interaction, how you communicate, um, how much you put the patient at ease, so many factors. And there's no doubt that there is a cultural element to that. So that's an important thing that we need to take into account. And again, this might be one of the reasons that, that means that, um, that, that, that some candidates do much worse. I mean, the majority of actors that, that um, I saw on the day that I observed the exam as part of what I was doing were, were predominantly white actors, for example. Right. Um, so that's another interaction that we, 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 we need to look at. And, and we, we need to accept that there, is a pro- that there potentially is a problem. And I, as I said, I acknowledge it myself as a practicing a general practitioner. This does happen in consultations and, and they could happen in an exam setting. So I think that um, in the case of UK graduates, when we know that language isn't an issue, um, because these are British trained, gone to British schooling system, British universities, that's one of the factors that I think we have to consider. Mm. And, and, and I call it subjective bias because of the nature of the test. I don't think that an examiner is going in and saying, I'm going to fail that candidate because um, they're not from, they're not white or they're from an ethnic minority group. That doesn't happen. It's too crude. But there are subtle differences, which may mean that you assess a candidate differently. And I think that's what's happening. Do you have any data on um, the sort of backgrounds of the examiners and um, actors, patients that, I mean, do you think they sort of represent the diversity that a, a GP would see? Um, Well, definitely not from what the day I saw. Now, um, one of the things I've said in the paper that I think the um, Royal College of General Practitioners who administer the test should actually try and make that the the case mix more diverse. I mean, we're a very diverse country in the UK, especially in our major conurbations. You know, London, ethnic minorities uh, um, are really now almost verging on the majority, in effect. Mm. and, and the same of our major conurbations. And I think that, um, in a way, the exam should reflect this case mix more. I mean, more than half my work, I work in inner city practice in Manchester, and more than half my work is, is, is around ethnic minorities, um, patients, some of them who don't speak very good English, I have to use interpreters, and none of this is assessed. And I think that that might alter um, the, you know, how, how people are, um, are assessed in the exam. So that's one, one factor, definitely, that it wasn't representative on the day that I went. And the college um, does have data on this, and so we could look at that in, in, in future. Right. And I also noted that the examiners, I mean, I said to you that uh, probably about a third of the GP workforce um, is, is from ethnic minority background, and yet um, the examiners were, were predominantly white. There were some ethnic minority candidates there, um, but, but, but they, weren't, um, they, they weren't representative, I think, of the GP workforce. And I don't know what impact that has, but that's just an observation that, that I made. Okay, okay. All right, well, let's talk about the, some of the other findings um, from your analysis. Um, the, I mean, it was primarily done to look at the, the results of international med- medical graduates. Um, so can you talk a bit more about... Yes. So the international medical graduates fare much worse than the British um, ethnic minority graduates. And um, as I explained earlier, this is a 15-fold difference. Now, with this group, we had data on, um, additional data on on the English language proficiency and on their score in in the PLAB exam, which is done at the time they come into the country. And what we found was that when we added these and included the AKT scores, the differences between um, white international medical graduates and uh, ethnic minority 
uh, international medical graduates disappeared. Okay. It was no longer significant. And that, that's an important finding because in one sense, it sort of is, is, it, 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 it works against my earlier point about discrimination. Mm. So what, but what we are really saying is, is that when it comes to international medical graduates, there doesn't seem to be a difference between white graduates and um, ethnic minority graduates. Yeah. And the reason I focused on that, and I think this is important, is trying to understand why that might be happening. And I have several um, suggestions and ideas about why this might be the case. The first is that what's clear is, is that um, the UK is a, is a very primary care-based health service. And there's no doubt that in the training that UK graduates have, we have much greater exposure to general practice, um, communication skills training. We spend um, uh, quite a large part of our training in the community in general practice settings. Um, so the, the exposure of a British graduate uh, to general practice um, is much greater than an international medical graduate, especially those who come from the subcontinent, um, which is where the majority of international medical graduates who come to work in Britain come from, mm. the Indian subcontinent. Um, I, I don't know fully, but talking to people who have trained abroad, they don't have as much exposure to general practice. It's certainly not an, a primary care developed system. Um, it's very specialist dominated. Uh, so um, I think that they come into a, um, a system which is very different from what they're used to. Right. And I think that this is important because people have sort of said, well, we should treat them all the same. But I'm arguing, well, they aren't the same. And, and they may need um, more time working in clinical specialties, which give them more exposure to communication skills, um, more exposure to the culture of, of the British NHS and so on. Right. The second area is, is that one of the things I found, and, and although we didn't find um, a relationship between the pass marks in these exams and where you were trained, there is quite a, a large variation in terms of where um, the, the, the doctors are trained. And I don't know whether this has a difference, but there are some places where they have a lot of ethnic minority graduates, particularly international graduates, training uh, compared to other places. And I sort of think that we might need to tailor the training uh, to take account of the fact that we have a larger number of international graduates in those areas, and we should have the training should be um, more, 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 more geared towards acknowledging uh, some of um, the needs that they might have. And I think that that's um, another thing that we need to look at a bit more closely. The other area which I think is, is, is very important is we need to consider, for example, issues should international medical graduates, um, knowing that they have problems passing this exam, spend longer. So not just in terms of the type of training, but, you know, longer. And, and that, that is counterintuitive because you're discriminating at one level. You know, why should it take an international medical graduate, you know, four years to do this training, whereas we're only going to allow three years for a British graduate? Um, but the point is that, that there are so many failures in this exam. And because it's a high-stake exam, you know, you might end up with people after four attempts failing all their chances and then not being able to work in this area. And I think that's fundamentally a problem, really. As many people have noted, there's a slight difference between the report that the GMC has issued and the research that the BMJ has published. A statement on that will be coming from Professor Esmail soon, but it's our understanding that his research is fully in line with his views on the subject. Now, a second story, published in BMJ Careers this week, looks at the success rates of hospital doctors applying for senior positions – again with a view to how ethnicity affects the outcome. 
That one showed that white doctors are almost three times more likely to land hospital jobs than doctors from an ethnic minority. That follows a series of FOIs by Helen Jakes, a BMJ careers reporter. Earlier, I discussed these findings, plus the research on the MRCGP exam, with Amesh Prabhu, vice chairman of the British International Doctors Association. Coming to his report, you know, we are not at all surprised. We told the college, both Bida and Bapia wanted to work with the college. But denial from the college, constant denial, really shocked us. And this report supports what we have been telling throughout. So what do you want to happen now? What we want is college to look at the report and make sure there is a clear equal equal opportunity and equality and diversity throughout the college process. And we would like the college to work with the organization which represents black and ethnic minority doctors in this country. Hmm. In an earlier interview that we did with uh, Professor Ismail, he said that um, he thought perhaps there should also be more attention paid to uh, overseas qualified doctors who are coming into the UK who might need um, some more help in kind of getting to grips with uh, the absolutely culture. Absolutely right. I've been telling this to GMC because my other interest is patient safety, medical errors, and why overseas trained doctors are disproportionately disciplined. And I've been doing this work for nearly now 20 years. And so do you think more training needs to be put in place? Or I personally, they need proper induction. It's a different system they are coming to work in NHS. They really don't know, you know, what patient empowerment means. Mm -hmm. And so they need definitely more induction, more support before they start working in the NHS. Now, that's specifically about the GP exam, but also, uh, as you're quoted in our uh, BMJ Careers article about um, progression through hospital. That's right. It is not just the GP exam. We think there are many other college exams. We have had concerns. Results for overseas-trained doctors are disproportionately, failure rate is disproportionate. Mm -hmm. And we want to make sure all these doctors are properly trained, proper induction and support for these doctors. Okay. And are there any other measures that you would like to see being taken? Yes. I've been doing this work for now a long time. My concern now is impact on patient safety. Because, you know, I, I've been very lucky. For 30 years, I've been working in the NHS. I got a lot of support from a lot of my white colleagues. And I've had, you know, pleasure of working with many of them. And I really want to thank them. But unfortunately, institutional racism, club culture, old boys network, they are still ripe. And many experts, many experts, many panel members, you know, disproportionately medical director, HR director, board members, are disproportionately more from white community. Absolutely. If we really mean NHS is truly equal, then we've got to make sure there's a proportionate representation and all action taken are fair and action taken are proportionate. Um, and, and finally, uh, with regard specifically to the the, the investigation that BMJ Careers has done looking at um, the, the, the looking at uh, consultant posts yeah. um, 
Was that something that you had a feeling was was happening already? And what are you going to be doing about that now that that information has been quantified a little bit more? What what we we are really very keen to work with all the institutions. We have been working with the GMC for the last three years, and we are really you know making some significant progress. Mm-hmm. And we really want to work with the college, BM, and everyone to make sure how we can make our NHS truly fair, not just making statement, equal opportunity. And people must be appointed only on the basis of merit so that patients get the best doctors. You see, there are some doctors who have to fail the exam, but they should not fail because of systems failure. Mm. They should fail because they are not good doctors. And I have come across many good doctors whose lives have been ruined because they could not pass this exam. Mm-hmm. That is unfair. Absolutely. And it is our patients who lose out because these doctors can give tremendous contribution to the NHS and to our patients. Mm-hmm. Um, and this whole process, the GMC's report and, and the research that's been published in the BMJ, was kind of initiated because there was a threat of legal action yes. uh, against uh, the RCGP and uh, the GMC as the, the regulator. So what do you think now that, that these results are out and this report's been done? I think this result definitely supports BAPIO's actions. And I think unless the college accepts, you know, and unless college is willing to work with BAPIO and other institutions, I think legal challenge will go ahead. But my worry is those doctors who have been, you know, who have suffered a lot, what are we going to do with them? Mm. How we are going to compensate them for their loss? That's all for this week. Next week, we're back with an interview with Claire Girarda, outgoing president of the RCGP, all about her career. Also, remember the BSE scare in the UK? That was 20 years ago. Fears of an epidemic of variant CJD abounded at the time. Have we been given the all clear now, or are those cases yet to manifest? We'll be back with research hoping to answer that. Join us then.